Hey everyone, so welcome to Cyberballs. So this is a show where we talk about investing, we talk about Tesla, and we have these lively debates on whether, you know, is it best if you just buy and hold? Should you try to time the market? Should you dabble in options trading? Well, let me go ahead and share with you the answer right now. The answer is actually, you should really learn how to do all of these. Don't just label yourself. And so the best thing you can do is surround yourself with some very smart guys. And that's what I did. I got these two buddies with mine, Xander and Christian. And while we sometimes like duke it out a bit, I kind of have to say that I've learned a lot from these guys. So we're going to be talking today about emotions and investing. I made an emotional move recently. I'm going to share with you that. And the good news is Xander talked me out of it <laughs> a little bit. I still made my move, but he managed my emotions. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about <clears throat> margin trading. This is a big topic. A lot of people have been asking for this. Is there a way that you can actually do margin trading or margin loans in a relatively safe way. Let's explore that. Let's talk about all these different things. Again, we're going to do question and answers. <clears throat> so if you're on YouTube live, please go ahead and, you know, join us. Um, please start sending those questions in. Finally, we're also going to do that same lottery again today. So <clears throat> if it's only for those again, watching on YouTube live, you have to do is write a comment and we're going to uh, you know, do a raffle at the end and the person who wins will get one of my master lists of all the different milestones that Tesla's ever done. It's wonderful. Let's go ahead for those in the, um, in the, uh, uh, for those in um, Twitter spaces, we're going to do a 20 second intro. Okay, we're all done. Thank you, guys. All right, like we always love to do, lots of things happening with the economy is scaring the crap out of me again. Christian, can you please save the day? What's going on? Explain to me. So good to join everyone again. Hello, everyone. Um, yeah, so day-to-day -day macroeconomics, again, very, very difficult to predict. Uh, but I'll open my remarks with one of the great macroeconomics of our time, Elon Musk who said he wanted a reduction in the Fed funds rate of 25 basis points, right? So Elon has been hitting yeah. it on all cylinders. So he sees, right, deflation. He sees commodity prices in his businesses coming down and the Fed pushing hard. So we have this dichotomy, right, of what businesses are seeing and what, you know, the Fed is talking tough. So markets are very jittery, right? We see when Powell came out Friday, he just laid the hammer down, you know, was it this Friday or last Friday, but he just talked really tough and it got the market spooked. We recovered and then we had a bad CPI print yesterday, right? The market how bad, how sold bad, How bad was the CPI print though? I it, thought it was it just was, barely. So uh, yeah, real fast. So well, it, it was, it didn't meet expectations, meaning inflation was higher mm. than what they were expecting. So the market got crushed. And I don't mean by a little, we had like down 4% and down 5% in the indexes which is big moves. But the PPI today, which is more of a leading indicator where the CPI is more of a lagging indicator, showed that inflation is coming down. It's co not coming down super fast, but over time it's trending the right direction. And that gave the market 
some hope and it's steady today and you saw some growth and we'll get into it like Tesla outperforming and the S&P and the Qs hung in there. And I think by the end, it closed slightly positive. So that was good to see that we didn't have another waterfall after yesterday. That was a great sign moving forward that we can maybe stabilize. So we heard that the Fed is still going to go forward with a 75 basis point or some people are saying, well, why should you do that? You shouldn't anymore. Like, no, like Elon. Elon yeah, said, well, don't I don't do know that. if they're going to listen to Elon, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think they want to get inflation still running high. But it, that doesn't mean the doom for equities. Equities, if you buy great stocks, you're supposed to buy stocks in times of high inflation to get returns that outpace inflation. But you got to be in the right companies, right? Ones that are growing um, extraordinarily. But I think the Fed, this is just my guess, will do 75. Some people are calling for 100. I don't think they'll Ooh. go there. I think 50 and 75 are on the table. And I think since inflation is not coming down as fast as they want, 75 will be the, the rate. But that's okay because the market has priced that in. It's nothing that the market doesn't know. And that's why I think we've stabilized today. Christian, what do you mean? So like they, they the markets are showing or the charts are showing that it's like 100% going to be uh, 75, uh, or like 66, right. I think 75, a right. hundred, yeah, a hundred, uh, is like 33% or something and 50 right. is off the table. So right. is that just, uh, that's what's priced in and then Correct. the, 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 Fed, the in. Fed can, can reconsider and then we would see a, a big move uh, up in the markets as a result if they did come in with something like that. Yeah. So what I would say, if we got 50, say, that would be very bullish because the Fed is going easier. They're becoming dovish and that's overall better. And they see inflation and whatever they're looking at better. If they come in 100, that's a little bit more hawkish. But I don't know if it's definitely a negative for the markets because we're just getting it over quicker and maybe they pause earlier. So that could be one. So I think the standard, though, the way the Fed's been playing it, they're not trying to give the market too many tricks. I think they said, you know, 75 is kind of what they're going to do. And I think that's what they're going to do. I could be wrong, but 75 would be fine. So Elon said, right, or it's calling for uh, a, a 25 down. Do you think that there is there any chance that they just do nothing and say that we're looking for more data? Is that is that a possibility no. or no? Right? Not a possibility. Fed lost credibility last year when they let inflation run amok and they were still calling for it to be transitory. They need to get their credibility back. It's very important for them to get the credibility back. And if they were to back off now, when we still have inflation that is very high, they would lose their credibility again, and it would be worse. I think they need to stick with 75 and then go from there. Okay, so why is uh, Elon calling for, uh, you know, obviously he's worried about deflation, um, and he's a smart guy. So what's the, the thinking there? I think Elon is looking at things and he is thinking that inflation is coming down rapidly in his businesses. But Elon's not in the food business. Food inflation is still rocketing. I don't think Elon <laughs> deals with food. So maybe food he's not inflation. looking at some other things that are very inflationary still that Elon doesn't really have a hand in. So maybe he's looking at specific sectors and he may be absolutely right. But on a broad economy, when you take everything into account, like rent equivalents and food inflation, I think there still is reason to, to push harder on it. Well, uh, didn't he respond to, I think it's Kathy or someone that, yeah. that, uh, that, that mentioned a bunch of thing, commodity prices coming down. Um, so that's what he's seeing and responding to. 
So I, I yeah, guess but I, Kathy I Wood's point. been wrong for yeah, she's been calling for <laughs> deflation for the last yeah, twelve yeah. months, and she's been wrong for twelve months as she buys these crappy stocks that have been crushed. So I I love Kathy Wood. She sounds really smart, but her deflationary call for like a year and a half now has been dead wrong. So I wouldn't listen to her. I would put more credence in Elon. But again, Elon doesn't see the food supply system. He doesn't see rent equivalents. He might be looking directly at what he's dealing with in his businesses. So I, I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, put it past him. I mean, he's, he did call the recession inflation. He called it like six months before it even happened. So fair enough. I'll just end on this and then you can move. If the Fed cuts (laughs) 25 basis points at the next meeting, and they yeah. listen to Elon. Yeah. Look out, out stock market. It fuck jumps Forget up, about right. it. It's over. <laughs> like, <laughs> you are going to get a like rally up? that you've never okay. seen. Up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the expectations well, is... for a 75 hike. If you got yeah. a 25 cut, that's called unexpected to the 10th degree. You're going to have a rally. Yeah. Well, this is what's oh. happening to me, guys. <laughs> this is what's bothering me so much. I'm going through an emotional roller coaster. First, I was freaking out about what's happening in the market. Then I started feeling better about it. And now I'm getting a little scared again. And uh, I'm getting a scaredy cat. So here's what happened to me just this week. Um, so as you guys know, in the last episode, I started getting greedy. So I started mm-hmm. looking forward at Q3, Q4 numbers at Tesla. So I am a long-term holder. I've been telling everybody I'm a forever bull. I'm so proud of myself where I just don't bother looking at things. Then I met the two of you and I started learning things, but also now I start you know, thinking of what I should do. And maybe this is wrong. Maybe this is absolutely wrong, but I started getting greedy. So you, you heard me last week talking about, I wanna kind of make a move because I feel like Tesla Q3 numbers are gonna come out. And specifically by Q4, I feel pretty confident that the numbers we're at right now, Tesla being at $300, that it's going to be higher than that by some date. And so last week, you guys gave me the advice and said, well, if you're gonna do this, you know, normally what I've done is a two year leap and that is a very safe much safer for me something more akin to what i'm doing but then you guys were saying instead of i was thinking of doing a three month and then you said maybe just do it till april so after the q uh one numbers and so that's six months away from now so i felt really good about that (laughs) so this is what happened so i was gonna make a move on friday and I was going to, you know, of course, luckily for me, I have Xander on my speed dial. And by the way, I just call him. I just call him and expect him to pick up the phone no matter where he's at. <laughs> so I give him a call. And I said, I'm ready to make this buy. I want to buy a, a, a long term. So for my case, I was looking for an April. Um, it was an April uh, 20. So by April 21st, 2023, do I think that the price of Tesla will be at $316? And I thought, okay, I'm willing to make that bet. Let me go ahead and do this. So I called him up on Friday and he said, no, don't do it today. <laughs> and I'm like itching. I'm excited. I'm going, I'm ready to go. He said, do not do it today. Why did you tell me not to do it that day, Xander? Um, So it's just a, a strategy that I use. Uh, I did not quite say don't do it because, um, yeah. because, you know, I, I would never want to take responsibility for your trades, but uh, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I, I, um, I, I think it's, there's a, you know, that there's a, a way to invest where if momentum is on your side, right. And you're trading up 
um, you're going to pay the highest premium as you move in the up direction. So uh, I think that you should buy calls if you're going to do it um, in the in the down day, right? Oh, nice. So like on a Monday when you had uh, that, uh, you know, or wait, Tuesday, right? Yesterday we had that. Well, no, well, let's tell the story properly. So you told me I wouldn't do it on Friday. So then I said, fine, I didn't do it. Monday yeah. comes around, stocks going up, Tesla stocks going up, but I want to just get this trade done. Yeah, you want to get Oh my it God, off I'm afraid. Yeah. I'm greedy. It's going gonna, it's gonna to run ahead. And then you talked me down off the cliff and you Correct. said, well, you don't have to do all of that. You can do half of what you're thinking of doing. And well, first you said, don't do it today because it's going up. <laughs> right. I wasn't listening to you. <laughs> right. And I could tell that you weren't going to listen. So, uh, so yeah. So I suggested, you know, just do the dollar cost averaging, but just in the, in the leaps or in, in a long, long dated uh, contract here. Um, so then, and, yeah, I told yeah. me to do half of it. And so I did. I pulled and did $20,000 worth. Of just Again, I'm just dabbling a little bit for the Monday. So do I think that in April 2023, the price will go up to 316? Right. And right. then, and then what, what happened? Said, what happened yesterday? Exactly. What you said was <laughs> it's an uh, it's a up day on Monday, so don't do it then, and just wait for it to fall. And I'm like already thinking it's September 14th, right? It's like we're two weeks away from the Q3 print's gonna come. There must be a run up. It's gonna happen soon. I'm gonna miss it. Uh, you said no, wait because the the Feds are gonna come out with the CPI numbers. And Xander called it right. So the number, uh, as you guys saw yesterday, the stock fell and perfect time for me to put in the other half. So this is just, you know, another scenario where I need to understand to when I want to invest, I get very excited. I want to make the pull the trigger. I get too scared. I don't want to do it, but it's hard for me once I make a decision to, to wait. And I just want to ask you, Xander, how do you do it? Like every day you seem to be able to make these moves and how do you manage your emotions so that you can, you can yeah. do it? <laughs> it's, it's just that. Um, once, once you get desensitized or you lose a bunch of money, you kind of, uh, <laughs> okay. you, you, you know, there's a, there's a disconnect that, that I have with my relationship with money. It, it, oh. it, beca it became not a, you know, once you kind of have enough of it that you could pay your bills, um, you, you, uh, you, you, I look at it as a tool and and almost like a, like a game. I shared a video with you guys, uh, and I think I even tweeted it out that like my favorite uh, is a value tame and Patrick that David video about uh, how, like how money works and and like those that 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 thinking has really helped me to just just pull emotions out of it. It's it's just money. Uh, you're going to make money. You're going to lose money. So um, then it just becomes strategy. If you're if you're looking at it and you know you're seeing the the price go up, you start getting FOMO. I've been talking about this uh, for all seven episodes plus before we went on YouTube. Is that like greed management is the hardest thing that you will go through. But if you can have that uh, Christian stoic nature of of just <laughs> being, you know, just being about uh, the numbers, you can you can really you you could do well um, because there it's important to you know to know that. Like if the market went down today, uh, I, I, w I was, you know, like I, I woke up and I sold or I set to sell at like break even prices. Some of those like long dated, um, you know, ca call contracts, uh, because if the market's like if the market's going to react and we're going to move down, well, I, I this is like my short term gambling money. So I'm willing to. Uh, to, to even if it's take a loss or or whatever that is. So um, I, I don't know if I'm answering your question completely, but th that's kind of the mentality is just 
disconnect from from uh, that. Oh, I'm going to be rich, right? Like one of the things that you said is, <laughs> I want to make this much money on it. And yes, and so um, you know, why don't you talk about that 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 part from uh, you know from yeah. from your perspective? Right. So so from my perspective, the way I was thinking of it, and you t you t again walked me off the cliff. The way I did it was I'm sure this is what most of you guys are all thinking as well is I go okay I want to make a trade I'm willing to make a bet but the reason why I want to do it is I want to make this amount of money so I had in my head that uh, I'm gonna make this bet because if it if it goes up this much I'm gonna make this much money okay and I'm all set and ready to go I'm so I'm willing to do this and then what <laughs> what did you tell me <laughs> so so, so th this is uh, this is the great lesson that I learned with uh, with being greedy and uh, you know everyone can make money um, now now let, let, let me set the stage I'm a brand new investor in 2019 in terms of individual stocks I've picked uh, zero stocks before that except in my mind like Facebook and, and I've talked about Netflix like I, I saw that 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 was going to change uh, you know the market uh, so or, or disruptive companies so I, I, I was just an index funds investor so then once you start you start going down this journey you start getting you start getting greedy so um, getting um, an index, you know, sorry, getting a, uh, a call contract, a long-term call contract was, uh, it's very exciting. So like my first option contract that I bought was, uh, was AMC, right? I wasn't comfortable enough to do uh, option contracts um, when Tesla was getting accepted into the S&P, even though I really, really wanted to follow Emmett Peppers. But in my, in my principles and what i've learned is that you do not follow a, a crazy person on youtube or even if they're super <laughs> smart and they're saying all of these wonderful things that like they sound like they know what they're talking about you don't do that because um you're gonna make the uh, a mistimed uh, trading decision you will uh you know you have fear um so uh, so, so then you're gonna make all the wrong things so you really need to understand it so like that mentality um, of of just knowing your what what you what you're going to do and 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 being willing to first import, most importantly is lose money um, yeah. like every trade every one of these call contracts that I do is really about um, okay am I willing to lose it all right because because I don't know what the market's going to do right I I have conviction in the fundamentals of Tesla but um, uh, but 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 really. You know, it just comes down to um, making making a decision on your own, and if you're willing to uh, to, to lose it all, then then maybe you'll do well. But uh, to, to to answer your question, um, the lesson that I that that I ended up learning was that like I had a call contract that was I spent ten thousand dollars, and then it was worth forty five grand, and and this was in, in January, obviously, and instead of Instead of letting that go and, and taking the win, I was like, oh, yeah. well, I want it. I want to stick around until it's one year. Well, it, until it's one year. So it's a long term capital gain. So yeah. it was it was good. It was good thinking. But here's the, the, the end result is now we're in the, we're past the one year mark. And that uh, $10,000 is only worth <laughs> like 13. Now, here's the here's the crazy <laughs> part right now. Your mentality says, oh, well, it was worth 45. So uh, I can't sell it for 13. But if you think about it, to get a 30% return on your money in a year is amazing. But we don't we don't do that. And so that that's the, the you know, that's an important lesson to just you gotta you gotta um, 
set like some kind of smaller target, a realistic target, and be willing to let it go. And same thing goes on the bottom side. Is is if if it drops, excuse me, if it drops, then you want to be able to say, okay, I'm taking the loss on that one. Um, so yeah, hope that <laughs> hope that helps. <laughs> Christian, let's take a look at you. So you have this tweet. Do you want to read out your tweet? Oh, let's see. Let's see. Okay. Uh, there is always a reason not to buy a stock. There's always reason to panic. Your job is to find a great asset, control your emotions, and wait. Yeah, I love that tweet. Um, of course, you love your own tweet. So, yeah, I like, <laughs> I like all my tweets. Um, so, yeah, that's a great uh, to piggyback off Xander. The way I think about it is. People, and, and I've been interacting with some people, and right now I hear like, oh, I'm going to miss Tesla. I've already missed it. And I'm in my head thinking, you haven't missed anything. Like, you need, in investing, you need to understand what you're doing. It's like anything. It's a muscle. You need experience. The reason, uh, Herbert, you're a little jumpy is because this is new to you. Buying leaps, not investing, buying leaps, right. timing markets. Yeah. So you don't really know what you're doing. Your body's not used to it. So your emotions yeah. take over your judgment. Same thing with Xander. He's now mastering it, but he's a relatively new investor. He's had to learn this. And we all still, I still have to learn it. And even though I've been in the market and I've studied markets for, for multiple years, almost going on you know decades in and out, I feel that you have to control what you're doing and you have to have a game plan. If you just go in every day, I'll do this, buy, sell, I'm nervous, the Fed, oh my God, war. If you do all that, it, you won't go anywhere. You're just going to go in place. But you could do something strategically. So, and I'll end on this. I, you could build up money when you work a job or you're a business owner, like a snowball. You don't really care where the market goes up or down. If anything, you want it to come down a lot when you're younger. So you could buy shares cheaper. You mm -hmm. could just buy, buy, buy. Whether that's the ETF or a stock, it doesn't matter. As long as it's a stock that's been going up with the S&P. I got to clarify that. If you're buying a junk stock that's not moving, you got a problem. So normally you buy, 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 buy. Once you get a lot of dollar cost average, and once you get a lot of capital, then there's two things you can do. When I mean a lot of capital, I mean six figures plus. You're, and you're older now. You either have to preserve it and you have to grow. So there's two things. So if when you're preserving it, that means if you see something coming and you believe there is a major you know, market um, capitulation coming, you need to get out. You can't take a 50, 60 percent loss unless you have money to withstand that. And most people that are older that have built up a million or two million dollars can't. So but you still want to be strategic. So you have to find a way that you can get comfortable with huge amounts of money in a stock like Tesla. And if it goes down a lot, you're not going to get wiped. So again, this is a great chart. So what I'm trying to say in, in a long way, but I'll, I'll shorten it up. You need to understand who you are emotionally. You need to understand what you're doing. There's a big penalty to pay when you don't know what you're doing. Okay. In anything in life and especially investing. Great. Yeah. You just scared the crap out of me. Way to do it. <laughs> There's a great penalty to play if you pay. Well, yeah. then I won't do anything. So I'm I'm showing a <laughs> graph right now that basically says, right? It says, you know, there's a there's a time when you should buy. And you need to buy it before the mania. 
and then there's a the, the stock goes up and everybody gets greedy and they start all buying that stock and then everybody thinks oh my god this is going to be delusional it's going to go paradigm that's when you don't want and you know that's likely going to fall because people are going to get tired of it or something like that but, but Herbert, can you explain where are we where are we are we at uh, at at despair after uh, after the total bottom and now we're going to return to the mean or are we at bull trap territory after this initial drop and we're going to have new lows right like this is the 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 problem is you don't know where you're at Yeah, well, the, the issue here is that you have a, a y-axis of valuation and a x-axis of time. Yeah, but we don't know what that is, right? I mean, if you look at it from a one-month perspective, then you don't know where you're at. Right. But if you look at it from a three-year perspective, five-year perspective, like we've been saying, earnings will continue to make this thing go up anyways. If you have a growing company, a very successful company, if it's not, then right, it could be an issue. So, Right. So but, I consider myself a macro trader within micro stocks, right? So I always look at the macro to determine valuation and where I think the, you know, it's going to happen. But on your little chart, that mania, that's where a lot of new investors get caught. They, they rush in with a bunch of money because they think they're going to miss it and they buy the top and then they panic out as it's crashing. They sell the low, right? That's how you lose a lot of money. That happens all the time. It's, it's, it's greed and fear, right? They're greedy because they're going to miss it. And when it comes crashing in, they don't know why they bought it. So why are they going to keep it? They don't know why they bought it. So they're going to sell it to prevent any more because the pain Mm. of 10% down, 20%, 30%, they can't take it. So they capitulate. Okay. So so that's a good point. So the people who don't know what they're doing, what they do is they look at others. And if they see the masses trying to talk about how incredible the stock is, they buy. And then when they hear the masses talking about, my God, the world's going to end, they sell. Right. But let me tell you about me though, right? So I am, I look at like, for example, Tesla right now used to be Apple. I believe in Apple so much. Because of that, when it's at a high, I cannot sell it. Even though you're saying to me, oh my God, there's all the signs. The world's going to fall. The economy's going to hit. You should sell now. I can't do it because in my head, I'm going, this is underpriced. This is going to be through the moon. You know, it's going to go. I don't want to let this go. You know, and and so that's the part that it's hard for me. And that's why I don't want to just do anything and just leave it alone. And then if it falls, I go, I'm expecting it to fall. And I don't care because I know that eventually it bumps back up again. Again, this is for people who don't need the money within a certain amount of time. If you have a kind of a, a certain nest egg and you're thinking that's just for future nummy, then you can play that game, right? Right. So that's fine. You could hold that. The reason we talk about all this stuff is because we enjoy talking about macro. And we enjoy trying to predict the future week to week, month to month, quarter to quarter. You so do. <laughs> well, I love it. I think Xander enjoys it. I enjoy oh, yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. so what I'm saying is, yeah, you're right. Well, no, you, you guys could... are saying you're pretending as if you have this ability. I'm a superhero. No. I can predict the future. I enjoy it. You are. No. What I, no, I have to clear you up here. Okay. I'm not saying I'm a superhero. I can predict the future. I'm saying with my experience, mm. I think I can play the probabilities. <laughs> and I think that I have a 60% or 70% chance of being right in a three month to six month. I may be wrong. I state that all the time. I'm playing probabilities. I'm playing probabilities with Tesla. I'm playing probabilities with, with Macromar. I'm playing probabilities. I'm not doing something uh, that I'm saying for sure this will happen, but I have to have conviction of what I'm doing. Otherwise, on a day like yesterday, I would get scared out and I would sell my position and I would have missed a great day today. 
right? You have to understand where you are in the cycle, where you are even in the stock cycle. So uh, I'm going to talk about this. You're talking macro. I'm talking that in a bad macro, Tesla mm -hmm. is such an unbelievable company and the stock hasn't done much. And unless you've done your research and you know what's coming, you'll sell Tesla because you don't know why you own it. The reason I'm so excited about Tesla in a tough macro is because it's outperforming every other company in the past on a six, on a five-year, three-year, one-year, six-month, one-day. And I believe in the next one year, two years, three years, four or five years, it will outperform everything again. So my probabilities is based on my research of earnings per share, earnings per share growth, what the prospects of the business are, what are the growth opportunities, and then I make my bets accordingly. Yeah. So uh, well, there I you go. You called it a bet. Well, <laughs> well, I'm using the word my investment. I, I just use that <laughs> slang for we all making bets. The, the greatest investors in the world, they call it a bet. They make a bet on a stock. I've, you, you said you don't know what's going to happen. You could buy the greatest stock in the world and you get a uh, whatever a force majeure event come out. That's all going to go down the toilet. So there you go. Vander. As we saw, um, I, I wanted to share a, a little bit about the uh, macro impacting uh, investment decisions and what you were talking about, Christian, with uh, selling on the lows. So be because I, you know, and I like majority of the money that I have invested in Tesla came at the end of 2021, uh, where where we sold our houses and, and uh, raised capital. And of course, you know, uh, I in injected that capital on the way down, but it was mostly above a thousand uh, pre-split. So uh, you know, that's what, uh, over 333. Uh, now, my cost basis is, is on the shares is actually a little bit lower. I think it's like 255. Um, and, but, but a lot of the leaps that I bought, over 50% of the portfolio was in leaps. So um, those leaps went down to like, down 80%. That is, for most people, uh, it, it's intolerable, right? You, you would have sold uh, somewhere on the way down. Now, I had like three or four chances to get out while um, while while we were still above a thousand. If you remember, it was like twelve forty, then twelve hundred, then eleven sixty, and then we had that ten eighty five. Um, and but I didn't. So um, you know, Christian and I have had great conversations about about this mentality aspect of it. And so, like on the way back up. Uh, there's a part of me that really wanted to just take that those shares and we discussed this uh, i actually called christian on this and, and asked him like um i want to I, I think i want to build up a bunch of capital and and then just take that money off the table let those leaps continue to go until they recover but since this money um that uh, that, I, that i've invested even prior to the house money um is is up i want to sell and get out but then you know, I had to pull myself back and realize that, like, wait a minute, I already went through all of the pain and and looking at those uh, the portfolio being in the red uh, overall by a lot. And uh, th that why would I sell on the way back up? It's 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 just it's just an, uh, an emotional response that I would have to, um, you know, to like like you were saying about buying a contract. But for me, it was like uh, fixing a mistake. And uh, but but the analysis of the stock meant that like, or, and, and the catalysts that are coming, that that would be a foolish thing to do. So um, that's kind of why I, I, I didn't do that. 
Um, and, uh, but, but, and I started strategizing to like, how do I, how do I itch that scratch? When you know what I'm saying, you know, so, so like, how do I scratch that itch? Like you, like you needed to. Um, so, so I, I, I took a, 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 you know, a small portion of the, of the portfolio, um, and, uh, not, not a small portion, but, but, uh, you know, like 10% or so. And 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 sold it, and I said that's going to be play money. The meaning I I'll use that for selling uh, puts against that money if I'm not feeling comfortable, which means that like I'm willing to buy stock at a lower price. I'm w- without using margin because what happened is, and we can get into that uh, maybe later. But uh, um, I I actually got a margin call right, which is one of these things where you did yes yes so. Uh, it's one of these things that no one, no one wants to talk about because they think it's like embarrassing or something, or at least. But yeah. well, part of me felt like uh, you know you, you need to, um, you, you know, you need to n- not talk about that. That's that's ooh, uh, you made a mistake. But but for me, it's really important too. So I I had a strategy for that going in. I didn't have to sell any of my stocks um, um, at, at at a lo- at a loss. I actually had leaps sitting in another account that mm. i was able to sell for actually a you know a small profit it wasn't the 300 percent that i had on it um at, at the 1200s i had to sell it at you know 20 percent over the value of it and then i just moved that into the brokerage and and everything was fine so like that that mentality is preparation that if you're going to play with margin if you're going to do things that are um that, that you might not understand because the reality is is uh, i actually uh, you know, I was prepared because I, I would sell puts, and by selling puts, um, you're utilizing your your um, the money that the brokerage can lend you. Um, but there's there's a there's a point where they'll say, okay, well now you're you need to inject money into the portfolio to maintain that margin requirement, which is like forty percent or so. It, it depends on your brokerage. So. Uh, that was that was an important uh, you know lesson is like I, I was proud of myself for being prepared uh, f- for for that and I didn't panic and um, and and so I continue to test myself but like on days like today where I sold calls in the morning and the the, the stock rockets and then I go oh, okay just get out and pay pay the whatever fee because uh, I don't want to sell my shares but then um, you know kind of knowing how Tesla trades I was patient and you know by the end of the day we, it was losing like, uh, you know, 2% or 5% or something small and trivial. So, um, all right. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be clear, what you're doing is you have a lot of money that's invested. And then what you did is a small portion of it that you're doing all this. And we all agree that what you're talking about right now is a complete bet. You're willing to lose all of it. You're like going, what's going to happen in the next four hours. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but that's with the yeah. percentage of the money. Right. And it's also like, if you have shares, you're able to monetize your portfolio. So, um, if if like if you're going monetize to monetize your portfolio, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, uh, uh, again, it's not for everyone. But but uh, I learned this stuff on YouTube. I watched videos, and uh, <laughs> uh, w- once I understood what what it meant to sell a call contract, um, th- that was it was it wasn't something really dangerous. It was I can I'm, I'm willing to sell at that price. Um, you know, so for this week All it was right. three twenty, and. Yeah. Um, but but the reality is I don't actually want to sell my shares at that price, right? So mm-hmm. that's where you have to be careful. Otherwise, your shares will get yeah. called away and you can have a taxable event. So you want to understand spoke, all of those things. Yeah. 
And real quick, we spoke about that last week, uh, Herbert, about covered calls. It's actually a conservative bet. You're, you're, you're going to make money on premium and you're going to make money on the appreciation of the stock, but you're actually capping the upside. So right. it's actually a conservative strategy, a covered call, where you All could right, well, strategically use it. Yeah. 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 Anyway. So you guys yeah, have yeah. been saying <laughs> these words to me for like months. And right now, the only thing I understand right now is a long term leap. That's the one I figured out. Okay. And I figured out a long term ca uh, call. But what okay. about those, those Law, people in the comments? Anticipation, right? security. <laughs> okay. I got those. Yeah. Now I'm going to learn limit. <laughs> And eventually, I right now covered calls and all that. No matter how many times you've explained to me, it's just still going over my head right now. So I'm just not. I'm not ready. That's I'm not ready. You're not the only Move one on. that we're talking to. We're talking yeah. to the ninety percent of the people on this call don't know what the hell you're talking about when you go. I, I closed my calls and I so you know I covered to protect I said your. One day, one day, Xander, we're going to do a show, a very simple, basic show on calls and puts. It's yeah, yeah, very that's simple. what I'm saying. Yeah, we'll do that later. But right yeah. now, it's too much for me. Okay, yeah. you're already getting me all excited for things I shouldn't be excited about. And you, you <laughs> I'm blaming you guys. I'm now greedy. And I'm playing the market when I shouldn't be playing the market. Okay, Herbert, so. we're going to keep that brain of yours. It's packed up with a lot of stuff. We don't want to overload it. It might explode <laughs> on national television right here. <laughs> okay, but I, I the funny thing is that I've actually made money from Xander's original uh, advice to me three months ago. So I kind of like I can't, I have to be careful. That's why if you notice, I only hammer Christian. I don't hammer Xander because I <laughs> yeah, kind of like you're I, golden with that. He he brings that up like every show. Like you <laughs> are the golden calf. And I'm like, Everybody. I'm the ox over here. Well, until you make me money, okay? And, and just earlier in the show, Christian the way said, I make you, money, you guys you are listening to me every week. Every week yeah. you listen to me, you'll get smarter. Yeah, just out earlier in the show, you said, you guys are inexperienced. You haven't done this enough, but I, I know everything I've done. I know how to do this. Oh, so, okay. No, okay, so let me, let, this is good. <laughs> I, when I first started, I was the biggest, I still am an idiot, but I'm less of an idiot. Like, be less wrong. <laughs> I was a complete idiot. I didn't know what I was doing. I was listening to people talk about stocks. I was buying them. I wasn't doing any research. I was hoping for the best. I didn't know why I bought it. So I don't know why I'm selling it because it's going down. I don't know why I would sell it if it went up because I don't know the opportunity if it goes up 10%. Well, maybe I should hold it because it'll be up 300% in a couple of years because I don't know the business. So I made so many stupid mistakes emotionally and not doing my research that I learned from that. And now I'm a much more composed person, not because I'm doing anything great. It's because I've been in the markets longer and I've seen more stuff and I'm, I have my emotions mm. better, better under control. So it's not a magic trick. It's just like anything, riding a bike. You get better at it. Investing over time, most people, not everyone, if you have a normal way of thinking about investing, you will get better at it. And if you learn options, over one year, two year, three year, four years, hopefully you get better at it and do a better job. Yeah, and, and yep. the, the important part there is, right, like in order to enter the options world, to be able to buy a leap, you have to, you, you know, you have to contact the brokerage to even be able to uh, buy one of these things. And, um, and, and so you're, you're going to be uh, lured. And, you know, we've talked to people on Clubhouse that have, uh, you know, decades of experience with options. And, um, you know, after my original Warren video, uh, you know, they, they weren't, they weren't happy that we're talking about this stuff, but, and, and, you know, saying that it's dangerous and all of that. But the reality is, is people are curious, right? People want to understand 
how these things work. There, there's a um, an aspect of the market, uh, you know, that's or a tool that's that's available to uh, to people. And if you can educate yourself, you can um, make these calculated uh, bets, right? They are bets. And and I think that it's important that uh, you know the the everyday uh, the average Joe uh, be able to uh, participate yeah. in something like that if they want yeah, to. They're... Yeah, there's only a few people that can learn it enough to be able to do these calculated bets. Most of us, it is dangerous. And what happened to me was I'm so bullish on Tesla for the long term. But then I started getting bullish on Tesla for the next six months because I feel like, right, I feel like Q3, Q4 is going to happen, barring force majeure. And I feel like there's an opportunity. So then I got lured. I got lured. <laughs> this better work out, uh, Xander. Uh, but, but yes, yeah. But everybody you, Herbert, on the you call. You just said it there. You need to know what you're doing. You need to know what can go wrong. When you make a bet in a, on an option, you should know what's my downside. You should calculate what is the downside. Am I prepared for it? And what yeah. is the possible upside? And if you think the upside is, is so great and you believe in it and are convicted in it, that the downside is tolerable, you can go ahead and, and, and make that play. But as well, you need to know what the downsides are and what the upsides are. Again, you need to be educated when you make the play. If people do these things and they don't know what they're doing, that I already said it before, that's where you get into major trouble. All right, but well, yeah. let's, make, let's hope that I am, we'll see what happens, but I did finally do my next uh, six month call just the last few days so let's see what happens okay whose, whose fault is it going to be if you lose money oh well, you just told me money. you <laughs> just told me this calculated bets that you calculated for me that it's lower risk so i didn't calculate nothing what are you talking about you threw a dart you were, you were go okay. back to my go back to my original quote there's always a risk there's always a reason not to do something your job is to find the asset, buy it, and hold it. You're playing a little bit of a short-term game, Herbert. You're changing up a little bit. That's okay. Just know what you're doing. I, and for the audience, when you do these yeah. things, know what you're doing. I'm afraid that when people listen to us, they're going to get more emboldened to make these bets, and they no. shouldn't. And we, there's then a make, huge make risk. Make the disclaimer right now. Everyone yeah. has to take I was personal responsibility. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to. Basically, we we're going to repeat what we're saying. What I've learned in just talk, meeting these two guys and doing this show is that there is no one strategy, right? I'm a buy and hold. There's a margin, there's an options trader, there is a momentum trader. But actually, you should pick and choose. And the second thing is that everybody has different scenarios. And so it's hard. when you hear somebody say, you should buy this and you should put a hundred grand in it. Well, it depends on your scenario. When do you need the money? And so one of the things I covered recently is what would you advise somebody who's 20 years old? What would you advise somebody who's a dual income with kids? What would you advise somebody who is you know nearing retirement? And even within that, there's multiple scenarios. So be be careful. Um, and that's why I think that the, the best advice is just is just you know get in the market invest i think that's pretty standard again don't go all in there is investments like you know when you hear me say i'm all in well i still have my house i'm not gonna sell i'm not gonna sell my house i was tempted to because i heard xander did it but don't be that's too risky that's too that far too he's younger he's younger than i am i'm not hanging with you guys anymore no, no. i'm not i'm not selling no houses <laughs> don't sell no house don't <laughs> i'm do not that selling my again. house i like to all live right. and sleep in one 
<laughs> All right, let's talk about something next, which is margin loans. A lot of people have been asking this, and I was hesitant to talk about it because it's very, very risky. Do yeah, not remember? do this. Margin call. But let me, I think it's important though that we all talk about it to understand what it is and then kind of peek in, in understand. Because I did not know what margin loans and margin trading were. All I knew for decades, and I'm a smart guy, guys. <laughs> I've got an MBA. I, I, I know finances. I can do accounting really well. I roll. And I know what margin <laughs> trading is. I know by, by theoretical, you know, what its definition is. But and I always just knew that it's dangerous and it is, but let me kind of walk you through what I learned in January. And you know, you come along with the ride for me to explain to you what happened. Okay. So the typical way, and again, correct me if I'm wrong guys, but the typical way that most people do is they work for a company and they make salary. Then they save up all that cash, trying to be able to buy a home or invest in, in a stocks. Cause we know that if you invest in the market, you have a good chance of it growing. Investments is a good idea, certain percentage, right? And then what happens is you put your money in investments. And then if you need the money, because for some reason it happens, you need it, you would sell the stock in order to get it. Okay. That's my understanding of how the world works, right? Now you, you can also borrow the money, right? You could decide if you want to get a loan from the bank, but typically these loan interests are pretty high and they require you to pay back on a monthly basis. So what I understood and learned recently was that just like when you own a home, it's an actual asset that you've, you're buying and you're paying off and you're paying a mortgage on that home. So it's kind of like good debt in the sense that that debt that you own is something that it's, it's built of the asset. And the reason why the banks is willing to lend you that money is because they, you haven't, you have this collateral. If, if you can't pay it back, they're just going to, you know, take over your home and sell it. And then they make that money back. And that's why they're willing to do this. So I discovered that what rich people do, and I don't know what the magic number is. Is it a hundred thousand, 500,000 is a million dollars. But if you have a million dollars of assets in stock, you can actually, you know how it is, the world is when you're, when you're rich and you got that asset, the more that the banks and they, these, these institutions will loan you money at a cheaper price. So. I discovered this company called Interactive Brokers, and they, at that time in January, you could borrow at 1%, 1%. If, you know, like a depend, it's a certain percentage depending on how much money you have in their, in their, in their account. As, now, if you wanted to do the same thing at, and let me share this screen, if you wanted to do the same, shit, same thing at, um, at E-Trade, so I'm showing a screen uh, basically that shows that Interactive Brokers compared to the other brokerage firms like E-Trade, Fidelity, or Schwab, they are much higher. They're like this is three sponsored times sponsored by Interactive Brokers or? Uh... It is not, I'm sorry guys. Yeah, it is not, sorry. I know I'm gonna, it's just, well, so the reason why, if you wanted to borrow the money with your E-Trade account, they don't give you good interest rates because it's not their business model. Um, their business model to charge interest rates versus Interactive Brokers, they actually charge per transaction. So that's how they make it. And so they're willing to, you know, get you in. Now they've been 50, 60 years in, in um, existence. So it's not like they're just a brand new fly by night company. My point yeah, is that- Emmett Pepper's if, worked for them. Yeah, he did. And I, I just interviewed him last week and, and kind of understand this work. So margin loans, if you have an asset, a stock, just like a house, you could actually borrow from them. And in certain institutions, they're willing to send it to you at a lower price. So in January, it was at 1%. Now, as because of the world and how things change, now it's 3.83%, uh, you know, three over 3% to borrow that money. All right. So 
the thing is, if you borrow money from in, <laughs> from a broker, uh, you know, it's 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 pretty enticing because there is no monthly fee. They don't expect you to pay back on a monthly basis. Okay. The problem is that if you borrow money, just like anything can happen, the stock price can fall, right? So just what happened, inflation, recession, there's a war. So when you think, and this is where the trap is, let's say I have 100% of, and I call it 100% of whatever amount of money I have in stock. And then I go, okay, I'm only gonna borrow 10% or 20% of that. And this is where people get in uh, trouble is they borrow 50%. The thing is that that percentage changes. That's the part I didn't know. And I just learned. So let's say you have 100%. You go, oh, I only borrowed, you know, 20%. I'm safe. The thing is, is that if there is a stock, you know, depression, something massive happens, your 100% now becomes, let's say, 50%, right? Well, you still owe that 20%, which is now 40%. And so yeah. you can very quickly change and you go, oh, their margin maintenance, which is when the broker can decide to demand their money back, a margin call. They can also, they can also change the, that, that right. the requirement. So that was the second point that I had, which is that thing I learned as well, which is the danger about this is that at any time, the broker can decide to change it and go, you know what? I changed my mind. I want you to pay me back now. <laughs> yep. So you are forced to sell your stock to pay them whatever you borrow. So you know, so this is kind of like where it's, it's like, okay, it's very dangerous and you got to be very careful, but this is actually what rich people do. So when you're really, I'm talking super rich. So let's say you're 10 million, you have $10 million. What they do is they invest all of it in investments. Then because they're so rich, these institutions are willing to lend them money for like 1%. And then they basically do that. Now, if you're lucky and the world works in your way and each year that the stock keeps going up, right? Because you know, over time, the stock goes up by 10% each year, let's say, whatever percentage is here. So theoretically, there are very rich people who never have to pay back the money that they borrowed as long as it's a certain amount of money. So anyways, it's enticing, it's exciting. You kind of like, you go, oh my gosh, this is like so cool. But uh, but yeah, you, you gotta be very careful about this. And so I think the advice that people have with this is that A, don't do it. Um, if you, if you're not, if you don't have a lot of money and you don't feel like you've got all your money saved in the right places, but if you do feel like you're super rich, okay, if you want to, and I don't know what the number is, then you should think about this because there is, like you said earlier, uh, Xander, you can monetize your, your, your asset. Yes. And if you have stock or house or these assets, there's ways that you can make it work for you and then not force you to have to sell the stock, which is what I've been doing for the last three years. Whenever I needed money, I would go ahead and sell the stock, um, which I wish I didn't have to. But that's, you know, cash flow is a real issue, issue right? So, so uh, there's, a, there's a trick that I didn't know. And again, shout out to Ronnie for, uh, uh, for, for teaching me this. Um, he has an awesome product. He's the Mac back uh, for, for your iPhones. Um, so he, he taught me this, this really important thing, which is, if you have margin uh, available to you, right? Once you get to a certain point with your portfolio, you have margin that's available to you that you could borrow from them. Now, when you sell a put, you're not actually taking a loan out, okay? So what you're doing is, is you're, the, the brokerage is saying, well, if the stock, tr stock price drops to, let's say 250, you're gonna be conservative, you'll sell, uh, you know, we have uh, we have someone in our, in our group that's selling like a 220 call for 
I think next week or so. Or it was it was super conservative, and he's getting a very small amount, but the, but he does not want to go into margin, and he's collecting a premium on writing that contract. You owe no interest on that money because you didn't actually borrow it. What they're doing is it's like a, a a guarantor that's saying that well. This person has enough of a portfolio that if the stock price does drop to that amount, we'll lend them at that time the money that they need to be able to purchase 100 shares of uh, whatever, whatever stock that you do. So understanding that was a game changer for me. That's what actually hooked me into options was understanding that I'm, I don't even need to take out a loan. I have access to, um, to, to this m money and um, and then you're able to, to, to write these contracts. And now, now, again, so managing worst case, greed. Yeah, managing yeah, So the greed. worst case scenario is you'd be forced to sell your stock. No, 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 no. You'd be forced to buy. Oh, you'd be forced to buy. And then so where would you get that money? From them, from, you'd, you'd take out a margin loan, right? So if you're writing a small enough contract or, or a small number of contracts that you're not going to force yourself into a position where you're going to be 50% leveraged or, or, or something like that, but you're, you're not greedy, that, that, which was, that, that's the point I wanted to make, is that managing that greed is the hardest thing because it's so easy to click a button and, um, and then sell a put like I did today. Um, you know, uh, we had some tweets about uh, someone said, oh, it's a good day to sell calls. And I said, no, nah, it's actually a good day to, to, to write puts if you believe that uh, Tesla is going to go up into Q3. Uh, you know, into the, the Q3 numbers. Uh, and then you saw Gary Black with a nice uh, price target. Um, so anyway, back to the point, it's, it's, it's something that you want to understand if you're looking to retire, if you're looking to have cash flow um, and you're in a position that, that allows you to do this. Uh, again, it's not for the beginner, but once you get to a certain point and a lot of Tesla, uh, you know, there's a lot of Tesla nairs out there that don't understand this part. And I, I, I would, uh, you know, I, I would share, I'd like to share that that's what really helped me, um, you know, change m my family's uh, future was, was being able to now monetize the portfolio and, uh, you know, consider retirement uh, next year. Yeah, the world is not fair. For the people who are rich, you have a lot of chance to make all these kind of moves and you can play these games. I wonder what the advice would be if you're, you know, you're just starting out in the world and then you only have... You know, you need the cash. So Herbert, and you, you don't know. Wait, before, I gotta, before, can I just jump in one second? Sure, sure, go ahead. That was important. I just heard, I totally agree with what you just said, Herbert, there. The world is not fair if you're rich. Guess what? Most people that are rich work for it. They earned it. They work 20, no, 30 not, years. I didn't, I didn't mean it that way. No, I yeah, know, but, but I'm just saying. But that's but my, my answer to you. It made it, so they, when you're able to build up a lot of assets over time, most people that are rich in this country, because there is a misconception that, you know, you inherited. No, most people work really hard for it and they invested and they no, save. And they, not what yeah, I'm saying, Christian. I'm saying that saying? if you're rich, you have a lot more ability to make these money moves you have, well, that yeah. is less risk for you. But if you're not as much money and, you're, and you have, you're just starting out and you need to set a base for yourself, like a home or be able to have cash flow when you need it, sure, her, it's her, hard her, for you to make these decisions, but, right? But, but look, uh, here, let, let, I'll, I'll share my story. I'm, I'm a first-generation immigrant, uh, college dropout who just had a series of fortunate events. I met my Why are we talking to a college dropout? Yeah, exactly. So like... <laughs> Uh, but but you All know this I had, time? 
I had I had good <laughs> grades. I just I just thought it was a trap. Uh, you know, I analyzed it. I looked at it, and I'm like, uh, this is this is a, like like you were saying, it's an unfair world. Um, you can get a you know a good good grades and still get a C because you don't do the homework. Uh, but again, I don't want to get into those specifics. <laughs> that's, that's very fair to me. But but okay, in, 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 in intro to business, by the way, I got a C in intro to business, <laughs> even though I got a hundred on every single test, but or I got uh, A's on every single test. But uh, you know, didn't do the homework because I was taking calculus. But my point is, I don't, I don't come from money. My parents are just blue collar, still working for, uh, yeah. you know, for, for, for a living. And they're in their 60s. So um, I, I got lucky. I, I started working at a, at, you know, at a frozen yogurt shop in, in 2011 from Craigslist. And then, you know, worked really hard and became a district manager. And then when they uh, sold off the stores, I, I, I took a, a risk, right? I had the ability to get a loan because I had really good credit uh, since I was a kid. I've been playing games with, uh, with like borrowing from credit cards and at, uh, you know, 0% interest, 0% fee when they used to do that and, and go put, buy treasury bills and then pay it back in a year when it was time to pay it back. So like that financial responsibility uh, allowed me to become a business owner. It allowed me to, uh, you know, I got lucky and we bought a house in 2009 and I took that money and strategically sold it um, at, at a time where I thought that the market was getting a little too crazy and, and hopefully I'll re-enter, um, you know, in the future when the market calms down and Tesla makes its move, right? But those are all strategies and, and that, that, you know, and decisions that I make, no one gave me anything. So to like th this, this idea that, oh, well, you know, uh, so, so you've, you've got a little bit further than the other guy, then, then, you, you know, like envy is, is, is not, um, not good for, for us because the real, the real message that I'm trying to say is like, my son is watching this or he will be watching this in the future. He just turned 10 and all these lessons, I want him to understand how hard it was to get to this point where, you know, he has, we built a, we almost finished building that uh, $250 Cybertruck Lego thingy uh, last night. And, um, you know, he, he, he actually said that, you know, I realized how good I have it. And like, I was shocked that he was able to say that uh, because, you know, the reality is, is he, he doesn't know the struggle that, that, that we went through. And obviously this is just my, my story. And, but I don't, I don't like that people think that, um, that, that this, was, this was easy by any stretch. And, uh, you know, I think it's important that, that, that the number one thing that, that I want people to take away is that I educated myself on yeah. YouTube to make these yeah. decisions. And I'm co confident in my in my decision making. I'm willing to uh, lose it all and move in with mommy and daddy. But <laughs> but but yeah. that personal responsibility is the number one thing that allows me to, to to be a business owner and to make these financial decisions, because I don't blame anyone for my mistakes, it's, it's, it's ultimately all my fault. And Herbert, can I just try off my one soapbox. second? Yeah, please. Just one second. So yeah, yeah. I don't mean, I didn't mean to put words in your mouth. Let me just state it like this. What I'm saying is a lot of people that are wealthy in, in the world, especially America, they have retirement accounts. Do you realize that in retirement accounts, there is no margin. You're not allowed to have margins on 401ks right. or IRAs. So there just is a lot of wealth tied up from people working and saving and diligently putting in their IRAs every year and saving from their work in their 401ks. So that was the only point, point I meant to say was that a lot of these things that you think are available to rich people are some that are that have that, you know, in a regular brokerage account. Yes, they have some 
advantages. I, I grant you that. But I would say the far majority of people that are in the millionaire status are hardworking people that saved up over 20, 30 years and did it the right way and saved in their retirement accounts. That's just what I believe. And that's what I'm yeah. trying to get across. What I'm saying is that if you've got millions of dollars, then the banks and everyone else is willing to loan you money. Agreed. At 1%. Well, not now. And then, but if you have, have less money. Rates have gone up. But if, no, yeah. Now it's 3%. But if, if you don't have that money, they're going to charge you 6 8, 8% right now. And it's right. like, okay. And, and but, the credit card, right? So it's just. But <laughs> I just got to, and I'll just say this. I come from a more conservative. I don't play with margin. I don't yeah. take credit cards and use the credit card uh, money to put in the stock market. I don't play any of those games. I, I, I play it straight. And I'm not saying no one could do it, but I'm saying that stuff's foreign to me. Everything I've done in my life, I've kind of worked for. And now, yes, I'm benefiting because you have a, a huge chunk of money. And if you could turn that chunk of money, and again, I don't think it's luck. If you do your research and you find the right company and you learn about investing and the power of investing and valuation and you know how to do these things, again, someone could call it luck. I call it, no, you did your research, you saw an opportunity and you took it, good on, good on for you. That's the way I look at it. Yep. Xander, we have deep respect for you. You worked hard. You watched the hundreds and thousands of videos, I think you've said before, yeah. to teach yourself all these things. Now, how come you didn't do homework at college, but then you're willing to do homework with uh, <laughs> well, that, all those topics? That, that's, a, that's a great question. So I'm, I'm, I'm a, uh, a nerdy type uh, computer programming uh, was, was what I was wanted to do. Um, but I just, I, like, I love learning. I, I only watch educational YouTube videos. Um, I, so, so, like, in, in that regard, I just don't like the system. I don't like that the government is backing all of these loans and, and um, that, that, you know, that, that the educational system gets to uh, prey essentially yeah. on, on, you know, in, in these little college kids that have no idea what they're signing when they take out those loans. Um, but like, th that's the thing that I saw that I was just a walking dollar sign on campus and the degree mm -hmm. wasn't actually going to get me anywhere. But experience, you know, I've, I've been working since I was 14 um, and, and I saw that I can climb a ladder. And then I realized that there's a thing called the glass ceiling. And then I, I learned that, you know, the, the world is unfair and someone else can be doing uh, things with a, you know, well, I won't get too specific in yep. case someone's watching this from my past. But, um, you know, th there's there's it's unfair. Someone else will get a bigger raise than you, even though you're you're outperforming them. Um, so th the world is unfair. So I just, um, you know, I dropped out. I, I, I just couldn't I couldn't do it anymore. I just thought it was a waste of my time and I could. Uh, I also had to help my mom and, um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, yeah uh, th that's, that's why that, that, that's why I, um, you know, I ended up dropping out, but I'm very glad yeah. that I did, but I also want to, I guess, share that it's, it's a really hard path for, for anyone out there looking at it. It's much easier to go get a, get a degree if it's very targeted, if you're getting a, you know, doctors or, or th those types of degrees or a trade. That is that is so you know that's a, that's a key to a door. That's what an education is. It's a key to a door. Uh, I went down the path of uh, you know experience, and it's it's you can make it right. If, if anything, uh, that that should be the inspiration is you you can uh, get out of uh, poverty, um, but uh, but it's it's much harder. So you know there's there's a little bit of luck involved, and and uh, but making the right decisions, as Christian said, when the opportunities present themselves. 
you know, you, you, you have to believe in it. And, and, and I'm unwavering in my decisions. Uh, now I'm analyzing and making sure that, you know, there's no red flags with Tesla. But, but at the same time, like, think, look, look at the risks I'm taking or I'm, I'm willing to take along with, with my wife and kids. Yeah. And I just want to add real quick, Herbert, then the show's yours. You could do both, too. I respect and love Xander, but you could go to school. You could work. You could get your doctorate or whatever. I've done it. I think you've done it, Herbert. And you could also learn on YouTube about investing and, and leverage both. There's nothing wrong with Absolutely. doing that, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So, you know, curious that you you are the biggest bull here or biggest risk taker because you do options, but you also sold your houses. But there was a question in the in the chat here. Somebody said that should you buy a house, don't invest in stocks until you buy a house. Um, you know, what are your opinions about that? And again, this is everybody's different. We don't know where you're at. Like today, the housing market could collapse. So would you actually tell people to do that today? I don't know. I was just going to say that the Fed actually explicitly said uh, to new home buyers, uh, wait, wait until that there's a correction in the market. Um, uh, you know, they want the prices to come down. So um, I, I, go ahead, Chris. No, I was just going to say th this is a question like it, that, like we were talking about before. If you're a single person and you're trying to you don't want to do uh, a long job for 10, 20 years and, and build the wealth, over, you know, over the long term, you know, you might take a pot of money and, and take a shot. And if you're willing, like Xander said, to go live with your mom and dad, that's great. Now, there might be someone with two or three kids and they're married and they might not want to go move in with a mom and dad. Or maybe they don't have a mom and dad. They might have to play it a little bit safe. And historically, I'm not saying right or wrong, historically, most people in America that are middle class, even though the middle class is shrinking, most people, their number one asset they own is equity in a home. That's a fact. Just go look it up. Most people don't own stocks in sizable. The rich do, the top 5%. But most ordinary Americans, when you go look at their net worth, it is in their house. So that's one of the easier ways to build equity and to build um, not only you're paying the mortgage down, hopefully over 10, 20 years, your house is appreciated very good, too. So that's a way of the ordinary American to get ahead uh, in the past. So it, it's a tough call, though. Yeah. And a, a what do you think? A lesson I learned about that housing stuff was, you know, in 2009, we looked at houses and, um, you know, I looked I, like I watched uh, real estate videos on YouTube. Um, and, and to, to, to kind of learn what are the little tricks that, that, that I should look for. And I found a house that was um, over 50% reduction uh, that was bank owned. And um... yeah, no, I mean, so I think that I, my comment on this is that, yes, houses traditionally has been an amazing investment for most people. Uh, but, you know, there's a life, right? You're living a life. And so part of it is an investment, but it's not as cold, hard fact that it's just an investment. You want to live a life. And so some people, like I think Xander did it, where he timed the market, but he also was willing to not have a home because he, he was, he's, he's, he's being a little bit more strategic about where he wants to grow and he wants to make a big move. But for most people, listen, you should have a home. And if you enjoy your life, that's great. And then anything above that, you can invest. And then, but you know, in some cases you should be care, uh, ready. In fact, uh, Christian, you'd love this. There was def, I've owned many homes over my time, but when I moved from Canada to the US, 
we lived in a rental home and we just watched the house prices fall all the time. And so we were like, just hang in there, hang in there. <laughs> we don't want to live in a rental, but we suffered and then we did the right call. So it's a balance between living your life and making a good investment. Uh, you know, Christian, can you answer the question? What is good debt? What is bad debt? So that's a great question. Yeah. So good debt. Uh, obviously, I think mortgage debt is good. I was kind of like you. I've owned a couple of homes in, in the past. And before we you know, had the housing crash in the 08, 09, I was able to sell a couple of houses at the top and um, now buy you know, another house after selling those houses. So that was good. And, and Xander makes a good point. 500000 you could have up a capital gain and you don't pay any tax on your if it's your residence. Um, so that's great. But I think good debt is mortgage debt. College debt is a little bit of a two-edged sword. If you go to college and you don't finish, well, that's terrible because, or if you go do your degree and you got two, 300,000, which I see a lot of people from my pharmacy background, uh, I was a pharmacist also as a financial advisor, that a lot of people come out, the job market's not so good. They got all this debt and they really can't get a job or they don't like what they're doing. And now they're stuck with literally a mortgage payment around their neck. So that could also be bad debt. I think good debt mainly is mortgage debt and any debt at low rates that you know you can pay back um, easily. So sometimes a HELOC could be good as long as you have the money. You don't wanna take any risk where you could possibly lose your home if you're making a bet and it goes sour. So the debt should be managed. You should have income coming in to make sure you can meet those debt requirements. I'm just very conservative with that. Yeah. All right. Can you guys hear me okay uh, on the live yeah, stream? Like, give me a thumbs up because I'm using my laptop now. There you go. Yeah, I think I think my definition of good debt is debt that you that you that you should take on if the asset's going to rise. Right. Then why wouldn't you do it, right? Like if if the mortgage rates is less than five percent, which is ridiculous, like a three percent, why would you pay down the mortgage? Of course you should. Like again, it's never like right. one way or the other, right? But if you can take that money that you're loaned for three percent, and then you can actually try to invest it in a stock yep. market that hopefully will grow more than three percent, then that's where you're making that decision yep. as opposed to just paying all debt off, which some people should do. And you should, if it makes you feel great, right. that's really the most important thing. Is that at the end of the night when you're falling asleep. Do you feel stressed or do you feel happy? And if you feel great that you've paid off all your you know, debts, which is a great goal for most people, uh, for a lot of people, you should do it. Yeah, I, I'd like to add that, uh, you know, it's that, that was the thinking, right, is instead of just selling the houses, um, it was to refinance the property, pull cash out and um, and, you know, invest that if I wanted to at, at a relatively uh, low rate. But um, that opportunity with the with the not having tax that that was the real um, the real factor that made me decide you know that that maybe we'll, how have you maybe been we'll holding up in this entire year when the stock actually been falling I mean you just have to hold in there right well, well my portfolio is, is positive now um, quite quite a bit um, you know at, at the at this at this level um and you know we're we're renters so we're, we're, like my wife just told me over the weekend that like this is the best place that we've ever lived uh, that she's ever lived in her entire life um we, we're just you know so our quality of life actually went up was that, that just letting go of of i have to be a homeowner i have to have uh, you know stuff like that to me is isn't where i find the value uh, like 
I see the opportunity in Tesla. And as Christian talked about in, in one of our previous shows was that I needed to get a sizable position because if there's going to be, and I believe there will be, again, not, not financial advice, that's just what I believe, um, is I want to have a, such a big position in there that it'll be substantial. It'll actually, it can change uh, our, our lives. Um, so, um, and, and so, and it's a long game. It's, it's a bet 10 years out. If, if, uh, if, if yeah. you know, people are talking about $10 trillion valuation on a company that's, that's less than one uh, within the next 10 years, that's, that's crazy, right? You can get a 10X, but, in, yeah. allegedly, maybe. Let's get back to Tesla. Um, I, I do think that for me, and again, we're all talking about our own personal lives when we're sharing a little bit, but I actually sleep really well at night, even though the stock has fallen significantly this year, because I just feel comfortable knowing that five years from now, I'm going to be just fine. You know, that, that sense that I'm so lucky that I found this company that I have so much yes. conviction in that's going to go up. And I feel comfortable. Now, again, lots of people have different opinions. I could be very, very wrong. Tesla could, you know, I just read an article today that said that Tesla's, you know, markets competition and we're going to be wiped out. Anything can happen. So, but for me, I feel like, okay, this is, I feel really good about where I'm at. Um, so, you know, so I'm going to ask you guys this question. So this, this, um, yesterday I had a Twitter space, you guys were both in it and I had, you know, had a panel of speakers and everybody kept saying that they believe that Q3, Tesla's Q3 report, uh, earnings report is going to be record across the board, record sales, revenue, gross margin, cash, everything across the board. Everyone said that. And I was the only one saying, Whoa, are you sure? You know, okay. Should I bank on it? But the reason I'm doing that is because I had already been getting myself all worked up going, oh my God, this is going to happen. Uh, somebody tweeted out saying, you know, uh, I used the word monster Q3. Don't do that. You're, you're promoting <laughs> something that's too far. What is your definition of a monster Q3? And is that, is that wrong for us to be saying? Because all we're saying, all I'm saying right now, just to be clear, I'm a bull, but I'm, I think I call myself a measured bull because I'm still saying I believe that Q3 is going to be a very good numbers, like we said, record numbers. So that's a kind of one marker. Is that is that getting crazy bull? And then I, my price target is still at um, 500, uh, which is 1500 by, and I've made it clear, I was thinking that it's going to be April, let's say, let's call it April, May, May of May, 2023. That's when it'll happen because it'll be after Q3, Q4 and Q1. Barring any issues, that's still my price target. Is that a bull? Is that a crazy bull? Is that a measured bull? It's it's a little up there. It's, it's, uh, (laughs) you know, from like a conservative perspective, um, uh, now with the current macro situation, that's up there. But if you have a clearance uh, of some of these uh, issues like uh, the Ukraine war um, and inflation, you know, gets under control, um, then and like like Christian was saying, if that if that that rate doesn't increase or there's a drop, you might have an insane market. And um, to your your other part of your question that uh, is my cat's scratching the thing see this is what happens when i'm at home i should just be uh, in the car um so uh, you, you know if 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 they 
is is it is it irresponsible to to say no that's just what we believe right we're just three guys we're not financial analysts we're not uh we're not purporting to be experts uh by by any stretch at least i'm not uh christian maybe uh, you know he he's 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 the He's yeah, the, I'm the smartest. Well, well, yeah, I'm the smartest. <laughs> um, but uh, but you know that's yeah. what we believe. We think that that like I tweeted about this. I think, and I don't tweet a lot. I think that Q3 and Q4. I think Wall Street will will actually wake up. Right. I think I think at some point you can't you cannot deny the earnings and the, the no no debt. I was just watching Yashu and and Alexandra um, and you know, how they're talking about those retirement funds. Like there's, that's all of those, all of those catalysts, right? The, the lists that you make, Herbert, those are still coming. And, and so that's why we, you know. That list was uh, around since January and the stock fell from then to now. <laughs> and I, I want to make it clear. I call that a milestones list. I didn't claim in any way that every one of those things are catalysts, that they're just milestones for the company right. to hit. And that eventually, when it's uh, earning, and then Christian has hammered home many, many episodes, it's earnings. So that's what matters. That's really right. the only catalyst of, amongst everything. Right. And, th and that's what we're really saying, uh, Christian. And then I'll let you go. Hey, it's a change, 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 change of Hey, voice. I love it. You guys are done. I love this. I, I get We've learned from you. I learned for you, Christian. So, so uh, I can't talk tonight. So this is all. <laughs> it's revenge. Um, so, uh, but but like, I think, in my opinion, uh, you know, these these earnings. Uh, you have China that's supposed to have a hundred thousand car quarter. Uh, oh, sorry, month for September, and that run rate is one point two million. And then if you look at like last month's earnings and what percentage of, of Shanghai made vehicles were in there, it was a smaller mix. So that, that, that uh, you know, that gross margin was was lower. So, you know, you start talking about returning to, we think, or at least I think, uh, over 30 percent gross margins and possibly even, you know, we were saying 32 was my guess. And I and, you know, thinking about it last night. It might be higher, right? And so uh, there, there's a lot of X deliveries that are happening. You know, obviously it's a small trickle, but that contributes, right? So if they're if they're um, if if they're gonna have uh, crazy earnings, well, what what is what is priced into the stock right now, uh, Christian? And what do you think? So so we've been talking about it for a while. That's I like what you said there, Xander. You guys know where I stand. I tweet it out every day. I do videos on it. I, my thesis is Tesla's earnings are going to power through, even in a bad macro. I'll repeat it again. You look at the outperformance in, in a one year, in a bad macro, Tesla's positive. In a six month, in a one month, Tesla is crushing the QQQs. Did a video on it, tweeted it out a million times. It, 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 it's a growth beast. Apple doesn't have it. Google doesn't have it. I'm just doing basic logic. This is not this is not me being a superhero. This is not me being super smart. I'm taking the facts that are in front of me and I'm making logical decisions based on them. Do I know exactly what's going to happen? No, but I believe into the end of the year, I don't like doing price targets because 1200, 1300, I don't know. I just try to get direction right. Where is the direction? Is it up from 900 or is it back to five, 600? I want to be right directionally. And if I get surprised with the upside, so be it. If my price target is 1,000 and we go to 1,300, great. I'm 30% I'm, I'm happier. So I look for direction. And I don't know how we go down 
when earnings estimates, you saw Gary Black, are going through the roof and the stock hasn't moved barely. We're at, you know, December, January of 2021 levels. The stock is flatlined as earnings estimates are going through the roof. And I believe, like we talked, that the stock market and the big money, and you've already seen it kind of happening. We had outperformance again today by Tesla, not by a little, by a lot. Go look at the one-year charts against the QQQ. Go look at the six-month. Go look at the, you know, I, I tweeted about um, value and growth. You know, you get me going on this stuff. I love it. Facebook trading at 14 <laughs> times. There's value in Facebook. That stock's down 60%. Tesla's over 100 times trailing. That stock's up 22% over the last year. So that's what I'm saying. Go look at the future. Go look at where the growth is. Go look at where the earnings are going. Are they going up or are they going down? That is determined of stock price long term, not it's trading at a good valuation, like the CNBC analysts say. That is bull. That's how retail investors get lost because they don't know what they're doing. And they're listening to a bunch of people on TV that have no interest whether they make money or not. So I'm done. Go ahead. What percentage when they report the Q3 earnings, um, which is October 20th or something like that, what percentage beat do they have to have against the current analyst on both volume production or or you said earnings, that's what matters yeah. most. What percentage beat before it's going to actually impact the stock and make it move? And when you say monster quarter, what do you mean by that? So me personally, monster quarter to me means Wall Street analysts have a consensus, say it's 360. Monster to me would be if they come in 370, 375, 380, 390, you know, a 10, 15, 20% beat over the estimate. Okay. You mean then that thousand car, not, not percent. Right, right. Units. Cars. Well, units. Yeah, units. units. So yeah. with 350, 10% higher would be 35,000 more, right? So what I'm saying is 20,000 units over the consensus, 15,000, a huge beat, which would lead to huge beat on the earnings side. Now, I don't really play it like the stock has to do this after the earnings and I'm a failure. If they do a great earnings and stock doesn't react. I look for, for trends over months. We've already seen the trend. Tesla's holding up better than most in a tough macro there's a reason why because there's enough smart people knowing what's coming for tesla and they can see it that's why the stock's not down 50 percent like facebook 60 percent. because every quarter facebook and or now meta gives trash earnings every quarter tesla gives great earnings so that is keeping the stock d doing well positive yeah. that matters that yeah, I do think that that's what people are forgetting. So when I look at Tesla by itself, I watch and I say to myself, well, it was at 1,243. This is pre-stock numbers. Now it's fallen down to 900 and before it was at 650, right? Huge, you know, fall. And But actually, when you compare it, like you said, to all the other companies, only Apple and Tesla is actually above where they were a year ago. And all the other companies are getting hammered. So, and then QQ Q is being hammered too. And so in comparison to what could have happened, it actually did hold up well. Yeah, and look, and look at today. Apple was down 6% yesterday. I'm not a big Apple fanboy. I don't give two craps what? about Apple. Oh, I, no. I have Samsung phones. Oh, uh, anyway. no. What the hell? No, anyway, okay, that's it. Apple was down 6% yesterday. 6% yesterday. Who did I, I associate myself Wait, hold with? On, hold on. Oh, my so God. 6% yesterday. It was like flatline today. <laughs> and you see... Tesla was down yesterday, but not as down as much as a lot of the other ones. And it beat the QQQ. It was up again today nicely. I believe, like a lot of us bulls, that Tesla will be the biggest company in the world 
in two to three years. I believe that in my soul. That's why I'm invested in it. And you can't look at day-to-day -day things, Herbert. You have to look at it. So, so what I'll say is this. I, I, you can tell your stories. I know Xander got in, you know, not, you know, in 2019. Maybe he did, but he was in and out. He was learning. I ran Tesla up a lot. So I have a different perspective. Tesla's already been very, very nice to me. And I think, you know, Herbert, you can tell your little story. But I look at Tesla differently. So when it drops, I don't look at, oh, I bought it at 1000 It's 900 I'm not making any money. Since I'm playing a macro game and I've already run the stock up a lot. And then, again, you could call it timings or whatever. I sold a nice chunk of it up near the 1100 1200 area. And I rebought a lot of it in the 600 700 area. You could say what you want for it. I look at it now, I'm still doing great on Tesla. So it's all perspective. If you bought at 1200 and it's at a 900, you're like, damn, I'm down 33%. But if you sold a lot near the high and you bought in a lot at the 650 and 700, 750, 800, 850 areas, you're up on the stock. So again, it's all perspective, the way we look at these things. So for me, Tesla is performing completely great. I am absolutely loving the fundamentals right now. I love what management's doing. It's checking all the boxes and short, I'll repeat this and then Herbert, you can talk as long as the factories stay open and there's no <laughs> delays, not delays where for, for this and that actual shutdown and they can't do what they want to do because some government tells them something. I am long this company. Okay. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Herbert, I, I tell you, I keep it simple. Oh, I know. I know. This is the problem. I keep saying the same thing, which is I'm surrounding myself with all these bulls, 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 and we need to bring on somebody with a kind of an, you know, well thought out argument. And then good, the, big, good the big one we keep, well, yeah, because we, we have our standard answers to hit them with. I mean, the big one is the Tesla stock is overpriced today and the PE ratio is at a hundred and you you know, that's ridiculous number. And then of course, Christian will say, well, it's a growth stock and next they're going to grow 50%. And then other people will say, well, there, there's a competitive market and wait until the competition comes and they're going to get, you know, they're not gonna be able to grow as fast. What are the other potential hits to this? But, you know, right now, um, you know, I'm pretty, I've got my answers to all of that. I'm agreeing with you guys, but right now we're pretty bullish about Q3. We're even more bullish about Q4 and Q1 of next year. Again, like you said, barring any issues with the Shanghai, uh, any you know factories and all that. And then we're even more bullish when we think about two, three, four, five years from now. Yeah, because you of think all about things it, energy, saying. right? Like the, this this energy stuff is not not being modeled, and I just think it's it has so much. Right, upside. which is weird that they haven't modeled it in yet because it's already available in what three countries it's just not enough revenue at this point right. but elon's uh, he, he's um kind of projecting that e that energy is going to be bigger than the automotive market and so even if they just get 10 percent, 25 percent of the automotive market that's going to add <laughs> you know, and guys but, don't yeah. forget the inflation reduction act I saw today they're pausing in Germany. Why? Because they want to build the batteries in the U.S. and they could send the, the batteries over to Germany. I saw reports that they could save 40 percent. And I'm not an expert in it. Um, I see Jeff Lutz down in the crowd there. I'd love to have him. They could be, you know, for, for years and years benefiting from this bill because the U.S. wants to get competitive in EVs. So not only is Tesla the most innovative company, not only are they have these, these growth potentials and all these other businesses that you're talking about, they have 
tailwinds because the government is wanting this to happen. So, I mean, I don't know what else you need. And, and as, as far as your bearish argument, I love bear arguments. I could probably make a better bear argument than most bears. The reason I don't make a bear <laughs> argument because I'm not bearish. If you want me to pretend to be one, I can do it better than most bears because they're idiots. Because when I listen to them talk, they make no sense. Competition's coming. There's no competition. Jim Chanos, a famous short seller, 2019, I tweeted that video out. Uh, the, the, the Porsche Taycan's coming. The Audi e-tron's coming. In 2019, the big boys are coming. We're in 2022. Any bears out there, let me pronounce something. No one's coming. Zero, no. nada, uh, nothing. No, nothing's coming. No. I don't see anything coming. No. They're all coming. It's just a matter of like what percentage. I'm being a learn. little bombastic, but uh, what I'm uh, saying is I'm being bombastic. Look at the U.S. market. We own 70 plus percent of the EV market. Where is the competition, Herbert? Play bear. Uh, where's it at? Who's coming? Ma the Stephen, Maki's coming? Stephen Mark Ryan says all over themselves. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not. Okay, so I'm just cut telling that the out. truth. I'm just telling the truth. <laughs> okay. Tell me where I'm wrong. Who's well, coming? Tell I think we coming. need to reserve that conversation. It's all going to be a really long one. Let's go ahead and just uh, go ahead and do this draw. Whoever, oh, oh, what happened here? I had this going here. So let's see if this works or not. Let's do a draw to see who is going to win my milestone list. This is the entire list of all the milestones that Tesla's ever done from the beginning to the Wait, end. You, I just saw your face. Were you? Were you? I know. I guess to I, I commented. <laughs> I commented a few times. Slee Stack Three. If you DM me on Twitter, I'll send you that PDF of of my milestones list. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate everything. Um, lots of personal stories today, but I think that uh, we covered a lot of education for certain topics. We'll do some more next week. Thanks, everybody. Hey. See you next time. Later.